Welcome to the Parent Matters Podcast, where we equip moms, dads, and caregivers to connect and confidently parent their children. Parenting doesn't come with a how-to manual, so we're here to help you navigate the ever-changing landscape of parenting. I'm your host, Susan Stutzman, a licensed clinical professional counselor, child therapist, early childhood development educator, and owner of Kid Matters Counseling. Today, we are going to talk about co-parenting through divorce. This is the second part in our two-part series on divorce. And to help me do that is child therapist Carly Shrimple. Carly's a licensed clinical social worker and child therapist at Kid Matters Counseling and has a lot of experience helping families and kids specifically navigate family separations and divorce. Welcome back to the show, Carly. Thanks, Susan, for having me again. We're going to talk about co-parenting through divorce. And I know you've written on this and you work with families um, day in and day out. You've worked with hundreds of families through this process. Mm -hmm. Um, But first, can you tell us a little bit about um, what excites you when working with families in the co-parenting process? What excites me about working with co-parenting is watching how something like divorce, which can be labeled as a trauma, can have a lot of healing and growth Mm. within the family system. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's so beautiful to watch that unfold Mm -hmm. as parents um, lay down some of their um, frustrations and work together for the child. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, okay. So let's jump into co-parenting through divorce. I know you, um, brought three simple things to, um, kind of just have parents think about Mm -hmm. as they are beginning this journey or continuing this journey of Mm -hmm. co-parenting. Um, can you share those with us? And then we'll delve into them a little bit deeper. Absolutely. So the first tip on co-parenting through divorce is remaining neutral. Okay. The second tip is creating a consistent schedule. And the third tip is to use supportive language for the other parent. Okay. Well, those aren't too simple, but (laughs) they are um, three indeed. Uh, Yeah. Let's let's start with the first one. So tell us a little bit about... um, your suggestions, how you help parents or encourage parents to remain neutral Mm -hmm. through the co-parenting process. Yes. So that is very important for children because when there is a loss or separation that occurred within the parents, the parent system, the parent relationship, there can be a lot of blame or there could be a lot of siding going on with a particular parent. And so remaining neutral really helps the child not have to choose on which parent loves me more, or choose which parent do I go to for this, or choose between which parent can I go to for love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, but help me understand this, because neutrality to me... um, might mean something different to you or to Mm -hmm. our listeners. Um, And as a parent, I know that it's hard sometimes to, um, to show neutrality. And I, and I think that um, 
not in not in loving my kids or showing different things, but there are big feelings that I have too mm-hmm. um, that around different events or things that are happening. So, um, are you saying don't show your kids any emotion? Just show them like everything's okay. Like I don't think that's what you're saying. What? Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about what it what it looks like played out to be neutral. Yeah. So when I use the word neutral, I I'm thinking more of emotionally charged language for the other parent. Okay. So okay. an so. example of that would be, well, your father's never on time. That could be a comment that is made at pickup or mm-hmm. drop off between mm-hmm. homes. Okay. So, and that's definitely not neutral. No, but uh, something like, oh, that happens. Yep. Oh, or sometimes people, sometimes we're late. Yep. Exactly. So it's not putting down the other parent. Okay. To remain neutral, that's kind of a tip. Not putting down the other parent, even if there is a hiccup, even if there Mm -hmm. is a mistake, it's okay. So say, for instance, even in that situation, if a child is waiting for the other Mm -hmm. parent, you can say, oh, I noticed they they know that the parent is late if they say, like, if they're waiting there, if they're having behaviors. Mm As the other parent, you can say, yeah, sometimes parents are late or, man, that really stinks. There was a mistake that was made. Dad thought that it was this time or mom thought that, that it was this time. Mm-hmm. We'll wait or the plan has changed and mom or dad will come. Okay. So that's more neutral language as opposed to, yeah, see, your dad's always late. He doesn't care about you. Mm-hmm. Or mom's always late. She's not putting you first. That wouldn't be neutral language. In that situation. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's that's really helpful. And it's helpful to define what neutrality means because, um, you know, it's not... Uh, so if I'm hearing you correctly, it's not, not that you don't have feelings mm-hmm. or, um, or a reaction to something, but it's more about you versus the other parent. So... Yes. Or if it's not just a blanket statement, like sometimes, sometimes you know, sometimes we run late or sometimes... People run late because something happened. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I know your dad's going to be here. I know your mom's going to be here. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you know that they're coming, or you can say, "Oh, I, I'm feeling a little frustrated because even though sometimes things are different than what we planned, it can it can still be hard mm-hmm. and take a deep breath." And you're, but you're talking about yourself, even mm-hmm. though sometimes things are different, right? I feel frustrated, not your dad is such a blah, 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 or mm-hmm. your mom is, yeah, you know, and purposely if, doing that. Right. And if it does happen, because every parent makes mistakes, mm-hmm. you can repair that and say, Ooh, I made a mistake. I didn't speak so nicely about mom. I didn't mm-hmm. speak so nicely about dad. Yeah. That's important. Cause again, right. We aren't going to always get it right. Mm-hmm. In any parenting, uh, yeah. <laughs> in any type of parenting, we're not going to always get it right, but there's always the ability to repair or to come back around and say, you know what, I didn't get that right. And what a beautiful lesson to teach children mm-hmm. that you um, can make a mistake and you can recover mm-hmm. and you can come back and you can um, re um, restart or, as you said, repair mm-hmm. in that. Okay, so that's number one, remain neutral. The second you shared is create a consistent schedule. Yes. Um, you know, 
I, at first glance that, I mean, that sounds great, but Mm -hmm. with so much that goes into a household and with such transientness in our society, many parents don't have consistent schedules. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about um, how you envision that and how a parent could do that regardless of their uh, vocation. Yep, absolutely. So creating a consistent schedule stems from the need of children that they do need predictability and consistency so that they don't go into fight, fight, or freeze all the time. Mm -hmm. And one way to do that is to talk to the other parent and say, what can work, what can work consistently? So even if parents have different schedules or you don't know the schedule, having a similar way at each household on this is the schedule for my house and this is the schedule when you go to mom's house. So having it on the calendar. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So what you're saying is um, when you're at mom's, the schedule is consistent. Even if you don't have every Monday, Tuesday with mom Mm -hmm. and every Wednesday, Thursday with the other parent, right? Like Mm -hmm. that, but that there's a consistency on how the schedule is on delivered. how the schedule is delivered. Okay. Yeah. So that would be one tip. Another tip for inconsistent schedules with days or not the consistency, you can have bedtime being the same time at both households. So that way children know when they're going to bed and they feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that you can do as well to be consistent is if one parent says, oh, we have you know, only one hour of screen time, that still applies to the other home. Mm. So those consistencies can be really helpful along with transition consistency. So doing a specific ritual for pickup and goodbyes between each parent can be really helpful. Okay. So uh, if I'm hearing you correctly and correct me, if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. okay, is that not that some co-parenting relationships are um, at a point where if you that you guys can decide on things like screen time, an hour at each home, but mm-hmm. sometimes um, or bedtime rituals mm-hmm. or bedtime timing, right? Mm-hmm. But there are some co-parenting relationships where they're not at that point, mm-hmm. so. Regardless of if you and your co-parent have the same rules in the, each house, you as as one part of the co-parent want to be have consistency at least at your house. Correct. And so your the way that you're parenting provides a platform for your child, your for them to feel safe mm-hmm. to be it to be predictable and mm-hmm. yet we know things might change right and so talking about those changes and allowing the child to realize that um you know this is this is something that's a little bit different especially with holidays or mm-hmm. um with vacations or with any type of um transition right in yep. the schedule but have it, letting the child know these are things that do remain the same even sometimes you know eating Right. right. Like, yeah. Like, I will always have your favorite snack, or I will try to always have your favorite snack, or, mm-hmm. you know, we'll always have breakfast, lunch, and dinner at my mm-hmm. house, or, you know, 
or bedtime or what have you. Yeah. Um, but you're saying the consistency, regardless, you know, it's great if parents can do it together. Right. Um, through co-parenting, like have the mm-hmm. same different things at same things at the different houses. Yeah. Um, but you're saying at least you, like whoever's listening to this, that one side of the co-parent having something whether it be a few things or even just one thing that's consistent mm-hmm. so the child has a kind of like a platform or a, yep. a safety in knowing this is going to happen at mom's. This, this is-, is consistent here. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you said that because co-parenting is also a process and it changes throughout the like the ongoing loss of the parents. And so sometimes parents don't agree on things like bedtime or screen time or what movie someone can watch. And so I'm I'm really grateful that you picked up on well, it can be consistent at one house versus the other house, but whatever it is, that parent remains consistent to that plan or that schedule. Mm-hmm. So that really helps Yeah, in situations where parents don't agree on everything. Yeah. Well, and even uh, committed couples or committed co-parents um, that aren't separated, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they, you know, don't always agree on everything right. either, right? And so they can also work to remain neutral, create a consistent schedule, and number three, use supportive language, right? Even if they're living under the same roof and they're committed to each other, sometimes co-parenting, I mean, let's face it, always co-parenting has its ups and downs and challenges, Mm -hmm. regardless of if you're separated or divorced or together. Mm -hmm. So I think this is really helpful for everyone, Carly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's talk about supportive language. That's your third tip is to use supportive language for the other parent. Mm -hmm. I think this is helpful um, to remember regardless, like I said, regardless of who you are, where you are in separated or not. But tell me a little bit about the challenges and how you encourage this to parents um, who are co-parenting through a separation or a divorce. Yep. So in the beginning, this is probably a really hard tip to do with parents who are learning how to Mm, mm co-parent together, mm -hmm. using supportive language for the other parent. Um, And that can look like anything from remaining neutral when you explain certain changes that have occurred if they have questions, and also using supportive language like within the home. So sometimes children get the sense that they can't talk about the other parent when in the other parent's home. So Mm. say, for instance, someone's at mom's house. The child may feel like in the beginning they can't talk about dad. And so the co-parent can say things like, oh, you're wearing your dad's favorite color. So that's some supportive language that you can Mm. do in the home to help ensure that the child that it's okay to love both parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, too, um, hearkening back to the the first part of this two-part episode series um, about being uh, about explaining divorce to kids, um, being consistent, right? Uh, about the story can also be really helpful, um, and when using supportive language. So if kids are, you know, in going back to like as you're, you had mentioned in that first podcast that it's important to explain 
um, divorce multiple times throughout the child's life, throughout, mm -hmm. you know, weeks, months, you know, and this story changes, right? Mm -hmm. um, but through that all, um, keeping supportive language for the other parent, especially as you're co-parenting, um, and if there are questions that arise, too, in understanding the divorce narrative later on. So let's say we're down the road, we're try we're trying to remain neutral, we're we're we have a schedule, we've worked certain things out, um, and a child says, What really happened with you and mom? Mm -hmm. How would you help the parent use supportive language in that instance? That's a great question. So that also would be a conversation to have with the co-parent too. Like, hello, hi, um, Susie brought up this question of what really did happen. Here's how I responded in the moment. I felt like this was okay for me to share. But always having an ongoing conversation with the other parent too about that is really important. Okay. Because and that's being times, supportive. Right. To each other. Totally. Um, on behalf of the child too, because if there isn't that communication between co-parenting, there could be consequences of the child choosing a parent over another, mm -hmm. because oftentimes divorce isn't neutral. There's something that occurred that caused separation. Mm -hmm. There was an event. Mm -hmm. Or events. Or events leading up to it. Yeah. And not everyone agreed to the divorce mm -hmm. in that relationship. So that's why it's really important because it's, it is an opportunity, like when someone is older, like when a child is older, to be heard by the child. Mm -hmm. But it's also something to be mindful of because you don't want to lose all of those tips of being neutral, being supportive because you needed support for that loss. Mm -hmm. So it's really important for parents going through the loss to be mindful of what it is ongoing and to be in communication with the other parent mm -hmm. and to also receive their own help for mm -hmm. their ongoing loss yeah. because that is a very you know, common question mm -hmm. for maybe certain teenagers that, are, that yeah. are in their divorce process themselves of, well, what really did happen? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Yeah. And I will say just from my own experience, one thing that I think can be really powerful in thinking through answering this, but also being supportive is you may not support their decision. Mm -hmm. You may not support the the um, you may not be the one that wanted the divorce mm -hmm. or in that position. However, being supportive yeah. could look like owning. This is this is what I felt. Mm -hmm. I felt really sad because your dad or your mom or whomever, right, uh, didn't want the same things as me, mm -hmm. and I found out that some things were happening and your dad said that he didn't want to live with me any longer. Mm -hmm. And that really hurt me because I wanted to stay with your dad. Mm -hmm. But your dad still loves you, right? So not like slamming him, mm -hmm. right? Or your dad, your dad has, um, you know, had a different desire 
And mm-hmm. although I don't, I didn't agree with that. He's still your dad, and he always mm-hmm. will be, right? Yeah. So there, so so being supportive doesn't mean that you always have to accept mm-hmm. their decisions or how they are parenting or how they're reacting. Yep. But it's not making the child. I think I think this is really important. It's not making the child have to carry your pain yes. um, deeply and be your support yes. as the parent. Yes. So it's okay that they understand the story or parts mm-hmm. of it from your side, yep. but it's not about, um, but sometimes unintentionally we try and we, we want to share the truth and it's your truth mm-hmm. and it, and it's okay to share, but the way that you frame it, it doesn't have to be in roses, but it does <laughs> need to be, this is what I felt. This is what I what happened from my perspective. Yeah, that's a beautiful recommendation too because you do show congruence that way as a parent by sharing your truth while also supporting the other parent's decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where even though we don't agree, yeah, because we still work together. Yes, yes, because ultimately, you know, there are always going to be biological mm-hmm. families. Yes, or even though I was sad... Mm-hmm. We are still working together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's great. We're going to take a sponsor break and then come back. So today's podcast is sponsored by the five-day parenting challenge. It's a free five-day challenge to help you make meaningful connections with your kiddos in five minutes or less for five whole days, especially when you're going through issues like divorce or challenging times in parenting, it can be helpful to make meaningful connections with your child that can last a lifetime. Just go to kidmatterscounseling.com backslash challenge to sign up for this free five-day parenting challenge. And thank you for checking that out. Okay, we're back. So Carly, we just talked about a... um huge topic. (laughs) Um, We talked about co-parenting through divorce. And although there are many facets, you chose to focus on three to help us Mm -hmm. um, to remain neutral. You shared is really important to create a consistent schedule, especially for your kiddos is really important. And to use supportive language for the other parent. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are your top three tips, if you will, um, on co-parenting successfully Mm -hmm. through divorce. I know there's a lot more, but if there's anything um, that you would want to leave us with, what would you say would be important to remember for people that are beginning their co-parenting journey or in mm-hmm. the middle of it mm-hmm. or, you know, may may no longer be co-parenting because of a loss or a um, death of some sort um, mm-hmm. from the other spouse? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. I think to keep in mind, like during the co-parenting process or parenting process, like through divorce, that divorce and separation doesn't have to be damaging. And it can really, really stem from how the parents work together. And there can be a lot of healing done through that consistency, being neutral, and using supportive language for the other parent. As hard as it is, it's still the the best route for success for your child. Mm, Yeah. 
Oh, that's hard. It's hard. I think parenting is hard no matter how you slice it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's how do we help to grow and to nurture these small little beings Mm -hmm. to help them on their journey as they understand relationships and how they, it doesn't always work out the way that we thought or the way that we planned. Right. Um, And our feelings sometimes um, are so big, we don't know what to do Mm -hmm. with them, but we um, but learning to be supportive in relationships. Yes. Um, and two, like in that process, it's okay to make mistakes because you're going to make mistakes and mm-hmm. being gentle to yourself as a parent, mm-hmm. that this is an ongoing process. And so in the beginnings of divorce, like within the first couple of years, is going to look a lot different than 10 years divorce. Yeah. And it's okay to say, I have new information. So yeah, this is what we're adding or this is what's going to happen or... Yes. Or to say, oh, man, I wish I would have said this. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have the, the story change because it's going to change as yeah. the loss changes. Yeah. Well, Carly, again, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Mm-hmm. And um, if people want to get in touch with you just to kind of pick your brain or to um, ask a question or two, um, or to read your blogs and different things that you've published on this, um, can you tell us where they can find more about you? Absolutely. So you can go to kidmatterscounseling.com in the blog session and specifically look through the search engine on divorce and separation as blogs will come up. Um, and you can also reach out to me at carly at kidmatterscounseling.com. Awesome. Great. So if anybody wants to reach out to Carly, please feel free. She has a large, um, a large, uh, I don't know what she has. A large plethora of knowledge. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Let me say it again. <laughs> My feet are asleep. Okay. Um, thank you again so much, Carly, for joining us on the podcast Carly has a ton of experience helping families specifically through um, separation and divorce and navigating those challenges and changes. Um, So do reach out to her if you have any need for continued support or you want to read her blogs. Um, I find them really, really helpful. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. All right, folks, thanks for listening. If you found the conversation useful, subscribe to the podcast and please join me again next time for the Parent Matters podcast. And remember, don't parent alone. Good job.